Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read before we go into this, because what I'm going to share with you today is, is important, because we're talking about blessings. You're not only blessed, but you're called to be a blessing. And uh, I want to read to you, this is a, a, a very um, serious little story, but it's good and it, it brings home a point to you. Before World War II began, Adolf Eichmann was a salesman who worked in his German homeland for an American oil company. But before the war was over, he was personally responsible for the deaths of six million Jewish men, women, and children. Eichmann authored and oversaw the execution of Nazi Germany's final solution, the roadmap that called for the annihilation of German of European Jewry. Eichmann was captured and held in an American internment camp when German fell to the Allied forces. But with the help of the SS underground, he escaped, and for the next 10 years, he lived under an assumed name in Argentina with his family. Any, anyone see the boys from Brazil? You remember that movie? In 1960, Israeli Mossad agents caught up with Eichmann and covertly slipped him out of the country, drugged and clothed in an Israeli pilot's uniform. A special jail cell had been built for Eichmann in the belly of an Israeli commercial jetliner, and he was flown to Israel to stand trial. The trial of Adolf Eichmann began on April 11, 1961, in Jerusalem. During the proceedings, an elderly victim of the concentration camps was called to testify about the atrocities that he saw Eichmann commit. The elderly man collapsed upon seeing Eichmann and was rushed to a hospital. He was interviewed after he had regained his composure and asked the reason why he was overcome with such emotion at the sight of this murderous war criminal. Was it fear? Was it the awful memories that the presence of Eichmann conjured up? Was it remorse for his loved ones who were tortured and killed? The man's answer was startling. He was not overcome with fear when he saw the evil Eichmann sitting in the courtroom. On the contrary, he was overcome because he had expected to see a murderous monster, but instead he laid his eyes upon a frightened old man. His shock was due to the fact that he realized Eichmann is in all of us. He concluded that every one of us has the potential for hatred and revenge. Eichmann was a common man who replayed and relived the hatred passed to him by others and as a result almost annihilated an entire race of people. He was responsible for his actions, but those actions were rooted in the way he allowed the hate of others to affect and change him. He made a choice. Dear one, hateful things have happened to you, but you can choose whether or not those things become a part of you. Let's face it, we live in a fallen world. Transgenerational, hate-filled verbal abuse has reached epidemic, epidemic proportions. Jesus warned of this in Matthew 24 when he spoke about the climate of relationships during the last days, and many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Notice that love gone cold, hatred, and betrayal are all rooted in offense. 
You can allow the trap of offense and unforgiveness to destroy you, or you can choose to forgive and bless the very ones who have harmed you. In our journey down the ancient path of the forgotten blessing, we've cleared the thorns and thistles and can see our way more clearly that you're still reading and trudging on beyond the clearing process process with me as a testament to your overwhelming desire to come to terms with your life and conflicts you've in, have endured. My hope and prayer is at, at this point of our journey, you have come to a place of releasing those who have offended you. Dear one, we're not at the end of the ancient path yet. We are actually only at the beginning. We've only cleared the brush away. We have still to tread the path, the pathway to a life of blessing. Now listen, the pathway to a life of blessing begins with forgiving the offenders, your offenders, and blessing them. Yes, you heard me right. Blessing the very ones who betrayed and cursed you. You probably know that forgiveness is a mark of our Christian life, but we will see in this chapter that verbally blessing an offender is a mandatory calling as well. Forgiveness is oftentimes a matter of the heart, but blessing the one who initially brought the offense is the outward expression of a forgiving spirit. Please hear me on this because it is crucial to, crucial to living a life that is receptive to God's blessing. Verbally blessing your enemies opens the portal to victory over the curses spoken against you and breaks the chains to your past. How many of you think forgiving someone is important? And many, many of us have had to do that. Have you had, have, am I the only ones? that have had to really forgive people that have put a knife in my back? Or is, have, have you ever experienced that with an individual? Let me see your hands. Where you could really had a root of, could have had a root of offense there, of course. But we all have a choice. And yes, we can forgive, and many of us do, but you know what? We don't go to the next step. And this is the difficult part where you bless that individual. Now, I could ask you today, how many of you have forgiven your offender or somebody that has done something to you, and you'd raise your hand, but then I'd ask you, did you bless them? And I bet we wouldn't see as many hands. So we need to understand, Larry, put your hand down. We need to. (laughs) We need to understand how important it is to do that. So look with all that, look at the scripture I asked you to turn to. Look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now who said this, by the way? Let's preface this with acknowledging who these words were from, Jesus. But I say to you, love your enemies bless those who curse you do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven for he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust for if you love those who love you what reward of you do you even Not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others do? Not even the tax collectors do so. 
Therefore you shall be what? Therefore you shall be what? Perfect. Is there another translation? Complete is another word. Just as your Father is in heaven is perfect. Now I want to look at six benefits quickly of blessing those who have cursed you. Six benefits of blessing those who have cursed you. Number one, everyone say it with me, completeness. Completeness. Now this word perfect in the Greek means whole. It means complete and it means mature. Therefore you shall be mature just as your Father in heaven is mature. So if you can't and if I can't bless those that have cursed us, we don't do it, what does that make us? Immature. Not complete. Amen? So it's important that you understand that. Verbally blessing your offender brings you, into, brings you into the blessing of wholeness and maturity. Romans 12, you don't need to turn there, verse 14 states, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. What's the natural inclination for the typical American if somebody does something? Curse? Say something? Maybe a kind gesture? I don't know. Bless here means this. Have you ever heard of the word eulogy, where we eulogize someone at a funeral? It mean, it, this is the Greek word for bless. It means to speak well of, to say positive things. Bless those who persecute you and bless do not curse. You mean, Pastor Mike, I need to say positive things about someone that just offended me and, and verbally abused me in front of my face? Yeah, that's what the Word says. It's not what I say. Is it in the Word, folks? Bless those who persecute you and bless and do not curse. Speak well of, say positive things. And the Greek here implies... Now, you won't like this, continuous action. So con continuous action. You and I continuously must speak well of that individual. If you do that, and I do that, if we speak a blessing instead of a curse, then what happens? Supernatural power is released for you and I to protect us from future harm. Abe can contest with this because he grew up in a, in a pastor's household. Do you ever remember, and maybe I shouldn't ask you this, but do you ever remember anybody that was ever upset with your folks? <laughs> that was a quick, uh-huh. Anyone specifically that maybe attacked your folks verbally and said nasty, how did that make you feel? Were you old enough to understand what was going on? It hurt. Angry. Yeah, it's tough. Lonnie used to share. He shared with me a long years ago about when his dad was a, was a preacher, a Methodist preacher, and how people would do things and say things, and it affected Lonnie. Okay. So, you know, 
we can see how words, life and death, is in the power of the tongue. So when someone releases words that curse and bring discouragement, it, it affects you. It affects me. And early on, not so much these, you know, the last few years of ministry, it, the, the last few years have been quiet and good, and, and we're thankful for that. But er, in early ministry, a lot of turmoil. A lot of thing, people saying things against. And when you come into a town, and a, a city that's predominantly Lutheran and Catholic, and you start a, a, a full gospel uh, church, a work like that, people are very uncomfortable with that. Not only the witches and the warlocks, but other Christians. <laughs> you know, and I'm almost deal with the witches and the warlocks than I would with Christians, amen, that speak things against you. And the, the thing that's hard for a minister and a minister's family is, is not only outside, but when you have people on the inside of the four walls of the church saying things about you and your family. That hurts. That really is a difficult thing. And early years of ministry, many tears shed because of that. Not so much her. She doesn't cry a whole lot. I'm the one that cries. But if she gets angry, look out. You better deal with me, the one that cries. Every, everyone it affects differently. It grieved me. It angered her how people could say things and do things. And you know, not so much people in the church, now listen, but other ministers saying things against other ministers. Very difficult thing. So if you think you're the only one that has had to deal with people coming against you with their words, no, you're, you're not the only one. But if you and I will make a decision to bless those that curse us, that come against us, how many work, ever worked with somebody with a mouth? that said things not only about you or other employees, but about your boss. Okay? It's really important that you choose words. And if you'll choose words that will bless your offender, you know what it says here? You're mature. You're a mature one. You're a perfect one. You're a complete one when you can do that. But if all you can rattle on is, is other words that curse others, then you're in trouble. Then I'm in trouble. Number two, look at Matthew 5, 38. You've heard it that it would have said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn to the other to him also. <laughs> oh, if any... <laughs> Amen. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Number two, a benefit of blessing those that have cursed you is release. Everyone say release. Now the word <clears throat> resist 
here in the Greek means to oppose vigorously. It emphasizes standing one's ground in a face-to-face confrontation. Now, are Americans good at standing their ground? Confronting those. And, you know, there's, there's a time for that. You need, we're, we're a time in our nation's history. We need to stand up and confront evil. We better do that. But when we're dealing with with an enemy that comes against you individually or me individually and says nasty things about us, the Bible says, or Jesus says, not to resist. Don't, Don't get in that individual's face. Don't, you know, just... There's times you've just got to turn your back and walk away. There's a time you need to choose and pick your fight. You understand what I'm saying? You and I have to allow God to vindicate us. So it brings completeness. It will bring a release. Number three, look at uh, Romans 12. Now, I'm not saying here that you have to be totally passive, but there are see you need to know when to turn the cheek and and walk away. And there's a time you need to do that. I need to do that. Then there's a time you need to speak up if you're dealing with an injustice, injustice, our corrupt system. Our government's broke. And I don't mean financially. It's, it's, It's just broken. What? Morally, yeah. And, and so we're going to have to deal with that and confront that. So don't take this wrong, but on an individual basis, you know, when you're dealing with some something like this, somebody coming against you, you need to maybe just walk away. Now, here's what number three, a changed heart. Everyone say changed heart. Romans 12, verse 17. It says, Repay no one evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all man. If it is possible as much as depends on you, live what? peaceably with all men, beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will, repay, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So the third benefit of, of forgiving and, and blessing someone is a changed heart. Not so much for you, but, you know, that individual, when we bless someone that's coming against us, an evil individual, an evil person, if we bless them with good, our actions could actually bring conviction and repentance on their part. You know, if you will learn to forgive, if I will learn to forgive that individual for what they're doing, and speak a blessing over them. Do you know the Spirit of God, especially if it's a true born-again Christian, God could come on that individual. Conviction can come on that individual. And then they might come to their senses and escape the snare of the enemy. So a changed heart. Number four, protection. Look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians chapter 4. These all are, are simple benefits of of blessing someone that has cursed you and forgiving that individual. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. 
Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is what? Good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearer. Now, this is what I want you to see. And do not what? Grieve. Everyone say grieve. Grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. There's a protection when you forgive your enemy. Blessing your enemy preserves and protects your life. When we refuse to do that, and curse them instead, what happens? We grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You mean somebody does you wrong, and, and, and you don't forgive them, and you don't bless them, it grieves the Holy Spirit? Yeah, it does. So if there's somebody in your life right now you're upset with, you're mad at, and you have a right to be so, maybe. But if you, in turn, do not forgive them and then bless them, you're grieving the Holy Ghost. You're clogging the spiritual pipes, and you might wonder why the finances aren't flowing and things aren't working in your life. And everyone said, Amen. When we bless an evil person with good... We turn it around and we bless them. God will work in our lives. Protection. I want you to see some, some other things here. Look at Job 31. I had, I had never seen, I guess, this scripture. And I, I thought it was good. Job, thir- Job is a, a meaty chapter a, chapter, a book in the Bible. There's a lot there. Did he have friends? Yeah, he had some characters that thought they were there to help him. Look at Job 31, Job chapter 31 and verse 29. If I have rejoiced at the destruction of him who hated me, or lifted myself up when evil found him, indeed I have not allowed my mouth to sin by asking for a curse on his soul. Let me read it once more. If I've rejoiced at the destruction of him who hated me or lifted myself up when evil found him, indeed, I have not allowed my mouth to sin by asking for a curse on his soul. Isn't that interesting? Cursing an enemy is considered a sin before God. Amen? I'm just reading to you the word. We weren't created to curse. As new, as born again creatures in Christ, new creation, we're a new creation. We were created to bless humanity, to bless the poor. Amen? To bless the downtrodden, to bless the body of Christ. We were created to bless the world, the sinner. So you and I need to renew our minds to this. 
why we're here and what we're called to do. Look at Psalm 39. Psalm 39. Oh, but you don't know how difficult that is. Yeah, I know it's difficult. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I've had moments in my life where I have not blessed. Am I the only one in the room? Guess I am. And I felt bad about it. But, well, you know, if you, if you feel bad about it, you're convicted, and you ask God to forgive you, he will. Amen? Amen. I won't tell that story. That's That'd be too traumatic for some of you. Let's look at Psalm 39. I like to be transparent, but I'm not going to be that transparent today. Psalm 39. I said, David, or not David. Yeah, it is David. I said, I will guard my ways, lest I what? Sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. I was mute with silence, and I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred up. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Boy, in other words, you know, sometimes you just don't open your mouth. You open your mouth every day. I don't know how you do it. You, you, you're gifted. That God has given you grace. But you open your mouth every day because that brings you your paycheck. Just think about that. He's a DJ. So he opens his mouth every day. Amen. I, I was early morning one day, one day, real early in the morning, and your voice came on. I felt like I wasn't. I was the only one up. That you were up. You speak a lot of words. I'm the, I'm the kind of personality that I speak a lot of words, and I put my foot in my mouth more than once. Oh, don't look at me like you never have done that. She, on the other hand, she keeps her mouth shut, but I can tell she's fire is burning on the inside. But usually she will think and meditate before she speaks. Amen. And I'm not sure where my boys fall with that. I think they lean towards me more. And I'm hoping as they grow and become complete, they will be like mama. Okay. Look at one more scripture there, Proverbs 13. Boy, I tell you, I'm giving you good stuff for these last days because you're going to be dealing with, with things that will require you to bless others and forgive others proverbs thirteen three. he who guards his mouth preserves his life but he opens wide his lips shall have destruction the fifth thing forgiving and blessing someone it will be bring freedom look at exodus chapter 12 i'm almost done here i thought this i'd forgotten this i knew this but what was the last thing Moses did before he left Egypt? Yeah, he split the Red Sea, but that came after he left Egypt. But thank you. You're, that was good. You're a smart kid. What was the last thing he did? He, anybody know? What was the last thing Moses did before he left Egypt? I didn't think about this. You want me to tell you? He blessed Pharaoh. 
Let it sink in. He blessed Pharaoh. You mean Pharaoh, the one that caused God to bring all those plagues? Yeah. You want to read it? It's in the Word. Look at Exodus chapter 12. Look at verse 31. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Am I in the right scripture? Let me look. Exodus 12, 31, 32. Yeah, 32. And take your flocks and your herds as you have said and be gone. Now look at, and what? Bless me also. Interesting, huh? And bless me also. That was, well, you know, the last act, and I don't know what he spoke over Pharaoh. I don't know. Did he deserve a blessing? I don't think so. Would he be classified an enemy of God's people? Yes. Final thing. Look at Genesis 50. Yeah, look it over at uh, Genesis chapter 50. The, The last thing that will happen when you, if you make a decision to bless someone... You will be blessed. You will be blessed. If you make a decision to forgive that individual that has spoken slanderous things against you, and you speak a blessing over them, you will be blessed. In Genesis 50, how many remember Joseph? You remember what happened when, you know, Jacob died and Joseph's brothers are left there in Joseph's presence, and all of a sudden his brothers, what happened? They got nervous because they thought, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble now. So it says when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. Joseph said to them, Now, did these brothers, these numbskulls, I mean, how would you like it if your, you know, siblings threw you in a pit and traded you off to the Midian slave traders? Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Interesting statement. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to send it, send to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Wow. All that Joseph endured. He made a decision to forgive and to bless. And look at the result of this. Look over a couple, couple chapters to Genesis 48. This is the last scripture for the day. Genesis 48:22 Jacob on his 
deathbed is now going to bless Joseph, not only his sons, but he blesses Joseph here in verse 22. Moreover, I have given to you what? One portion above your brothers. I call that a double portion blessing which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. Now, so long story short, Joseph got more. He inherited more than his brothers. Why do you suppose that happened? Because he made a decision to bless and not curse. Blessing your enemy is difficult. But if you will learn that obeying God's command of of blessing that individual and not cursing them, then God will bless you. You're not going to feel like it. Feelings have nothing to do with it. You mean you can turn around and forgive and you can bless your enemy and then still have all these things, thoughts that you're thinking and emotions to deal with. But it's an action. It's, It's faith saying, I forgive you for what you did for me. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. And if you can do that, God's power from heaven will be released to you and released to me. You say, Pastor, I don't have a problem today. I I love everybody. This week you'll probably have an opportunity to bless and not curse. Let's stand our feet today.